0: We're going to go all the way back to Genesis and um, God created things perfect. Genesis chapter two, we get to where he puts man in the garden and he gives them some guardrails. Not a lot, gives them a few guardrails we're going to talk about. And so we're going to apply that to our lives today. Why don't you stand in honor of reading the, of the word? And I think we have eight packs of fireworks to give away out there. Yeah. We do. So we're just looking for a warm body now. First service, nobody made it. And then and there was a couple of whiners that said uh, getting fourth through the thing was uh, impossible. So I'm like, well, show up on 4th of July with your eight game and you can get some fireworks. Um, So if you can get, I don't know, we'll just, when you go out there, we're going to, we're going to reduce the expectation so that somebody can win. I mean, that's, yeah. Welcome to 2021. (laughs) Genesis chapter two, verse eight, before I get myself in trouble, say amen. If you're ready. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the East. And there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground. The Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden Eden to to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Hevala where there is gold and the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon, and it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. We're going to skip down to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the, in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You'll not surely die. and made themselves loincloths. Father, we thank you today. It was your original intention for us to live in good, surrounded by your presence and absolute freedom. Lord, we thank you that Jesus died on the cross to set us free today. We thank you that we live in a free country, Lord, we ask you today that you'd help us together, looking into your word, to live free as you intended us to. Set us free again today, Lord. And we give you all the credit, all the honor, and all the glory because it's yours. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've been reading through Genesis, and I'll be honest with you, the creation story is fascinating. The God of the universe, who could have done anything he wanted to at any time, there was never any limited resources, there was never a limited imagination. He didn't have to Google it, he, uh, he didn't have to get on Etsy or uh, what's the other thing? Pinterest. Pinterest. Well just like I should have known. Um, he didn't have to get to get any ideas when he did it. It was just him, and he spoke it into existence, and it happened exactly the way he wanted it. There was no, there was no moment where God stood back and went, Oh, man. Every time he created, he said, Man, it is good. So he creates the Garden of Eden, which scholars believe uh, two of those rivers that were mentioned, they're not uh, really sure what it's referring to, but the Tigris and the Euphrates River, we know where they are. And scholars believe that that, that is where, where Israel would inherit the land uh, way later after the exodus. They believe it could be around the same area. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be just like God that man fell, lost the Garden of Eden, only for God's grace to allow them to inherit it later? God creates the ultimate experience for humankind. He he creates the Garden of Eden, and he and he tells Adam, he creates Adam, puts Adam in the garden, and he says, "Listen, I want you to, I want you to do your thing in here." Now, the translation that we just read from said, "Work it." Uh, I don't want you to, I don't want you to get the misconception that when the Bible says work in that context that Adam was waking up in the morning like, oh man, I got to trim the hedges. That didn't happen until Eve got there. And then this long list showed up and and it was like, wow, I thought I was getting help. That was, I don't, like 30 people in line just clicked off. It wasn't toil. It wasn't like effort, like we think about work today. It wasn't. It wasn't this idea of of uh, you know waking up thinking I've got to accomplish all this stuff. God put Adam and Eve in the garden to worship Him, to experience His creation in perfection and worship Him with everything they were. And He does it exactly the way He wanted to do it. Puts them in there. They're living their life in the unfettered, unrestricted presence of God. God would communicate with them, unlike He did with anyone else. He would; His physical presence would be with them. It was a—it was beyond our capability, really, to imagine. I believe if you could really go back and experience the Garden of Eden, you would experience what it's going to be like to be in god's presence in eternity. It was perfection. He created Adam and Eve to be the freest people. He wanted them to experience him with no no boundaries, no. He wanted his relationship with them to be free and for them to live free. And so when he did that, he did put some guardrails it wasn't do whatever you want. It wasn't anything you want to do, you're fine with it. He, he put a tree in the Garden of Eden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, hey, listen, you can eat of anything. Anything. But don't mess with that one. Don't touch it. Don't go near it. Don't mess with it. Have you ever raised kids? Hey, that's your mom's favorite thing right there. Don't mess with it. I'm not ambiguous about it. I'm not unclear. Don't mess with it. You walk around the corner, messing with it. God says, don't mess with a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What happens is the Genesis chapter 3 opens up with the serpent being the craftiest of all the beasts of the field. And Eve ends up having a conversation. And, and just like Satan, is twisting things right from the very beginning. Why did God tell you, God, did God tell you you couldn't eat from any trees in the garden? And she says, no, 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 he didn't say that. He just said that we couldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's all he said. The serpent comes back and says, Well, well, you know why that is? Because if you eat of that tree You'll actually be like God you, you will have the same knowledge God has And so I, I'm not 100% I don't Spitball a little bit here I, I, I'm not 100% this conversation Happened in like 5 minutes The Bible says That Eve started to figure out That the tree was good for food She must have seen the Did the serpent Eat it in front of her? How would you figure that out? She's watching the progression of things happen. She's getting around the tree. She's starting to be like, oh, this is a nice tree. Then she starts to figure out, hey, maybe this tree is good to eat. By the way, that's how bondage typically happens, isn't it? You start playing around with sin a little bit. Not enough to really get you in a lot of trouble, but just a little bit. You just start lowering your guard just a little bit. And then you start sitting under the tree because it's a good shade tree, by the way. And by I'm not, I can't get impacted by this. I'm just a a shade tree. I'm just, I'm hanging around people. I don't do it. And then before you know it, you start to be convinced that maybe it's not as bad as you were told and and maybe it maybe it could actually be fun and maybe I will know more but because after all everybody's got to experience it a little bit don't we if you're young here today let me let me give you some life advice there is no there is no badge of humanity for experiencing evil like like, for years, of, you want somebody to st- give their testimony of how God delivered them. And, and, and I was always perplexed when the church clapped for the worst testimony. It's like, yeah, before I came to Jesus, my life was awful. Okay, that's great. But you know what a great testimony also is? My life was never bound in bondage. I grew up in church, and, and I, di- I didn't go hang out under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I had good parents. If you've got that testimony this morning, that's good. Amen. Amen? You don't have to inundate your life with sin in order to figure out God's good. That's not a prerequisite to be saved. All of us are born with a little sin in us. You need salvation. But it doesn't mean you go play in the playground all day. So the serpent tells Eve, hey, listen. Listen. God's a little nervous because he's afraid that you're gonna end up knowing what he knows. So she plays around in the playground long enough to eat the fruit. If there's ever a case for an absentee or against absentee dads, it's this one. There's part of me that wish wishes Adam would have said, this is what he told us. Cut it out. The Bible doesn't mention him being around during these conversations. I'll read into that whatever you want to. When he does come around, it's a little bit late. She's eating it, she's offering it to him, and he takes a bite of it as well. And then the end result is that they instantly figure out they're naked. (laughs) I was baffled by that, to be honest with you. The first thought is, this is pretty good. You're naked. (laughs) Well, this fruit's pretty potent. I didn't realize you were naked until I ate the fruit. Let me take another bite. You're naked and you're not that attractive. (laughs) Wow. You better cover all that up. (laughs) Not sure I want to eat anymore now. Guardrails. Adam and Eve were created to live the freest any human being had ever would ever live, and yet God did put some guardrails around them. God God did create some boundaries for them in that environment where it was to be free. And so, something I want to point out is that God is the only one that knows what real freedom is. We were all born into sin. I know that's a controversial statement in our culture because, because there are, you know, we tend to think people are inherently good. That's not true. The Bible says that we were all born into sin. We, because, because of this original sin, we all have sin in us. And we all, if, we were, if we were originally good, we wouldn't need a Savior until we messed up. How many of you know we were born messed up? Which required the need of a Savior. So... So God then is the only one that actually knows what true freedom looks like. He created Adam and Eve to live in true freedom. And so he was the only one, eternity past and eternity into the future. He's the only one that has the whole thing figured out. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha Omega. He's the only one that knows. And so when he creates Adam and Eve, he says, listen, I'm the only one that knows good and evil. And so I'm telling you, you don't need to know that. It's not a requirement for living free. You don't need to know it. And so so at some point in time we have to trust him when he says certain things... That he's the only one that really knows what true freedom is. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was the only one that knew good from evil and he knew it wasn't a requirement to live free. So he, so he himself Put these boundaries in place to keep them free. He was the only one that knew. He does the same today. I believe that God is the only one in our culture today that can teach us how to be truly free. John chapter 8 verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples. Those are two prerequisites, right? Right. What are we to do? Abide in his word and be a real disciple. That, so we've talked about James before where it says lo, like looking into a mirror and then turning away, forgetting who you are. You don't read the word of God and then turn away and forget it. You read the word of God, apply it to your life, and that turns you into a disciple of Christ. The prerogative for the church is to make more disciples. Teach people everything that he said and teach them how to obey it. Why? Jesus tells us why. Because if you do this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's that tell me? That he's the only one that knows what real freedom is. And the more that I follow him, the more that I know what he thinks about it, the more that I know how he would handle it, the more that I know what he has for my life, the freer I become. Because the more I know the truth, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, no one comes to the Father but by him. So the more I know the truth, the freer I am. And guess what is including in the truth? Some guardrails. The truth is the exact opposite of what our culture is teaching today. The truth is not do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. The truth has guardrails in it. Amen? If it had guardrails in it for the perfect first couple, then it definitely has guardrails in it for us today. We live in a beautiful country full of freedom. But here's the truth about our American liberties and the freedom we experience. It's constantly evolving. It's expanding and retracting as time goes on. True freedom, though, has never changed with governments. True freedom has never been lost on conservative or liberal policies. True freedom has never been dependent on who's in the White House or who's governing. True freedom has never been dependent on who holds control of Congress. True freedom is something that we get in spite of all those things. Because here's the reality. Our culture that we live in determines the government we have. Amen? Government is a result of culture. So all of a sudden we start realizing that that God put guardrails up to keep us free. So, true freedom includes some restrictions. True freedom includes some restrictions. What's he say? You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God had offered them everything good. The only restriction he had on them was the knowledge of evil. Now now watch this. I know it said the knowledge of good and evil... But you have to understand that God was not restricting them from knowing good. They already knew what was good. It wasn't that God wanted them to have less good. It was God saying, you don't need to know the difference between good and something else. It it, it was God protecting them, saying, okay, there's, I know... Because of the fall of Satan. I know there's good and I know there's evil. And there's no need for you to know the other one. Because you are living in a place where you're getting all the good that you could possibly get already. They've got the presence of God manifested physically with them. It's as good as it can get. It's as good as it can get. So he's saying, I'm not keeping you from good. It's not the knowledge of good. It's the the knowledge of evil. Knowing the difference is what I want to keep you from. So there were some restrictions on true freedom. So how does that translate today? Just because it's available doesn't mean you should participate. There's a fine line between freedom and bondage. And it has to do with the knowledge of good and evil. It has to do with the knowledge of good and evil. We walk this fine line in our culture of, of, okay, well, I have access to it. It's not against the law to do it. But we have to ask ourselves the question, if we participate, will it make us more free or less? If we participate, does it make us in less bondage than we were before. So God says, listen, I don't don't even want you to know what bondage looks like. I don't want you to dabble around the edges of it. I I don't want you to participate a little bit. I want you to not even know what it is. You will be the freest not knowing evil. The restriction was not to limit the good in Adam and Eve's life. It was to make sure that That was all they were experiencing. Restrictions are not to keep us in bondage, but point us to freedom. True freedom is not doing whatever you want to do. Romans chapter 6, 14, it says this, for sin will have no dominion on you. Paul's writing to the Romans and he said, listen, sin will have no dominion over you. For since you are not under the law, but you're under grace. So he's saying, you're not under the condemnation of the law anymore. You're not under this this idea that you have to be perfect and and, and live up to something. He says, you live in an era of grace. That's a good thing. But there's a word there that's the same. He says, you're not under the law, but you are under grace. And grace does have some restrictions. Amen? The the one who was grace that came to save us and lay his life down gave some restrictions. If you will do what I'm asking you to do, you will live free. Amen. Here's the truth about our culture today. We are, as Americans, free to engage in evil without repercussions from the government. We can do things that are evil and not get in trouble. Amen? Facebook. (laughs) You'd go home today and drink as much as you want to drink. And as long as you stay in your house, you wouldn't get in trouble. You can watch whatever you want to watch and not get in trouble. We are free to do whatever we want. And yet what has that produced? God was setting it up so that there wouldn't be more, the knowledge of evil wouldn't be there, because He didn't want them to experience a little bit of evil, because he know he knew what little bit of evil, how much bondage that would end up putting them in. So he said, "All I want you to experience is good over here." That's it. There's no reason to experience anything else. Paul would later write this to the Church of Corinthians in his first letter, chapter 6. He was, if you, if you look up there, go ahead and put it up on the, on the uh, see the quotation marks? Paul's quoting a term of the day All things are lawful. I can do whatever I want. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. But then Paul puts the restrictions of grace on him. And he says, but not all things are helpful. Yes, you could go home and drink yourself into a stupor. But guess what? It's not going to help anything. You're free to go home and yell at everybody you want to. But guess what? That's not going to help anything. You're free to go home and put crazy stuff on Facebook. It's not going to help anything. So watch this. Watch what happens when we entertain a little bit of evil. Paul goes right to the next step. He says, all things are lawful for me. I'm not going to, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but guess what? He says, bondage comes right after that. But I will not be enslaved by anything. Over and over and over again. We live in grace, yes. Can you get forgiveness? Yes. But the whole motivation for God is setting us free not have us dabble in sin and then get in bondage so he says listen this is the freest I can possibly make it and in order for you to stay free don't dabble in evil don't even know what it is and if you're a young person in here this morning I want to implore you with everything I have in me. Just stay away from it. You're not more culturally relevant because you've messed around in it. Whatever it is. You're not, you're not cooler because, because you're doing whatever. Because you're, you're free to do it. It's not God himself when he created the perfect couple said, I don't want you to experience that. I don't want you to be around Eve. Just stay away from it. He said, don't even hang around the tree. Avoid it. Avoid the knowledge of evil. So what is the word of God to you today? Avoid it at all cost. Because the knowledge of evil doesn't make us more free. It leads us to bondage every time. leads us to bondage. Unrestricted freedom always equals more bad and less good. Unrestricted freedom always equals more bad and less good. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open to you. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Anybody remember getting in trouble? you, you, You have any memories of doing something even if you didn't get in trouble? Anybody ever do something and then as soon as you did it, you were like, Oop, shouldn't have done that. I think Adam and Eve experienced that right then. Eight of it. That's pretty good. Oop, shouldn't have done that. Do you realize that the conversation never happened? We're finally free. Adam didn't look at Eve and say, man, I'm glad you gave me that fruit. Man, we're finally free. We can finally know what God knows. What happened was, as soon as they disregarded the guardrails, they instantly became less free. They instantly became ashamed. They instantly started covering up something that God made beautiful. They instantly started hiding things. They instantly started hiding from God. If you keep reading, hey, where are you? Adam's like, ah, uh, over here making some clothes. What are you covering up? What are you, what are you covering up for? Do you realize in our society, because our culture has gone where nothing is taboo, now we have to cover up everything that God made free. God made music, and now we got to put labels on it to keep kids from listening to certain music. God made the arts; now we have to put ratings on movies to keep certain ages from watching things now we have to have restrictions on the internet to keep certain ages hopefully to keep everybody now now we're covering up because of our knowledge of evil now we're covering up the things that God made us free to experience we've turned sex into a dirty word because of our culture. Not because of God. Because God created us to experience it in all of His glory. And yet, when we turn to evil, we've got to cover it up. Everything that God created us for, when we said we want the knowledge of evil, gave us more bondage, not less. Every time we lean into it, it doesn't free us. It puts more chains around us. You say, Chris, but, but oh man, the American culture is a culture of freedom. Do whatever you want, whenever you want. Where's that us? So I'm not, I'm not a history teacher. Well, let me back up. Let me back up a second. I, I remember, I remember uh, when my kids were little. I remember not wanting them to experience certain things. Anybody? Anybody? Hey, hey listen, listen to me. If, if you're thinking about being a parent, you're not a parent yet, don't buy into this thing that your kids have to experience everything. No, no, no. They'll be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because God set it up for an innocent child to live free without the knowledge of evil. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you don't let your kid watch certain things. That's why you don't let them listen to certain things. That's why, that's why when you take them to the park, you, 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 you kind of, you know, hover around them. That's why you don't tell your kids, hey, people kidnap kids. That's why you don't tell them stuff. That's why you don't tell them everything. Why? Because you just want them to be a kid. You just want them to live free. You just want them to play and enjoy the life and, and all those things. Hey, go out in the backyard and play. Why? Because you want them to be free. The problem is our culture is exposing our kids to all this crazy stuff. It's not making them more free. It's making them more in bondage. One of my kids to live free. I want the only thing they were worrying about was falling off the bike. God's the same way to us. The Bible literally says... If, a, if your earthly father knows how to give you good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father? And so when the, when the restrictions of the gospel come on us as Americans, and, and, and our culture rebuffs them and says, Oh, you're narrow-minded, and, and you're short-sighted, and you're a prude, and all these things because you're not embracing the whole thing. No, 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 no. It's, it's because he loves us that he put the fence up. It's because he loves us that he doesn't let us run around in traffic. It's because he wants us to experience grace and freedom the way he had originally designed it. And in all of the sin and pollution that's in the world, he would send Jesus to die for us to give us another shot at it. Now I can be under grace and I can experience that freedom again. Amen? So here's what happens. celebrating the 4th of July. There's a giant debate in our culture. If you Google right now, faith of the founding fathers, at least my Google search, if you Google faith of the founding fathers, you will get a whole list of people debating whether they believed in Jesus or not. I thought, well, that's not what I was expecting. I had to dig to find gospel-centered quotations from our founding fathers. We're in a huge debate whether the country was founded on Christian principles or not. And should we should we be tied to those things? Besides, America's about being free and we should be able to do whatever we want. I think, I think the results are in. I think the more free we claim we are, actually the more bondage we're experiencing. Here's the thing. When the United States was formed, the Constitution was written, it was ratified, the whole, all this stuff. There's a lot of stuff they didn't put in there. Wouldn't it have been nice... Has some very specific things in there but but it, it, it can be kind of generalized that we 're given these liberties and you, you know why there wasn 't a lot of rules because it was assumed that there was a moral authority already over us yeah so <laughs> I think I could go out on a limb and say, if I meet you and you say you're a disciple of Christ, I don't have to worry about you killing me. <laughs> Can I go out on a limb? If if I meet you and you say, man, I study the word of God, I'm a disciple of Christ, and this is the way I'm, I'm living under his authority, and this is what I believe for my family. and my, I'm pretty confident I don't have to worry about you coming over to my house, stealing my stuff. You read that before. Don't do it. It's in the Bible. It's one of those guardrails. Yeah, you will live free if you don't steal my stuff. <laughs> ah, Who knew? So all of a sudden, we go all the way back to the founding of the United States. And the reason why it was an unbelievable, miraculous document, document that was written is because it was presupposed that we were governing ourselves with the moral authority of God. That the government didn't have to tell us certain things because God already had. We were all created equal. We were all, you know, keep going over and over and over. Where do we get that stuff? So all of a sudden, America starts like to play with, play with evil. Play with evil, play with evil, play with evil. We're free, we can do whatever we want. Play with evil. Free free. Play with evil. Free play with evil. And then and then all of a sudden. Now we're in a place where now we're debating whether we should have the moral authority of God over us at all. Let me open your eyes to something. I think it's John Adams. Wrote a letter to the Massachusetts militia on October 11th, 1798. The band could come up. We're going to close up. 1798. We got a few years in there. Freedom. He writes this, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Now, in case you're wondering, he wasn't talking about any religion. He's talking about the moral authority of Christ over us. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Listen to me. It is wholly inadequate to government, to, to the government of any other. Do you want to? You want to know why? Why this thing doesn't seem like it's working now? Because it was presupposed that we would be under the government of God. And at some point in time, we took the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we say, we really, really, really like the way this tastes. We said, we we want the freedom to do what we want to do. And then all of a sudden, the government doesn't work anymore. Can I help you a little bit? Politicians come and go. Political campaigns come and go. Taxes go up, taxes go down. Gas prices go up, gas prices go down. All that stuff ebbs and flows. It just does. Economic cycles, the whole nine yards. True freedom is not who's sitting in the White House. True freedom is not who controls Congress. True freedom is not what our tax rate is. True freedom is living under the guardrails of a holy God. And here's what I'm still excited about. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to leave you with this. Here's what I'm still excited about. My hope is not in the next election. Just not, I'll vote. That's not where my hope rests. Because I know our political the politics are a result of who we are as people. You do realize that, right? The government is a result of culture, not the opposite way around. So, But here's what I'm still excited about. I'm excited about John chapter 8 in this building, going out of this building. That if you and I will know what he said and apply it to our lives, amen, don't walk away and forget what you heard don't walk away and forget what you read but apply it to our lives and we become disciples real disciples living in real freedom living in real freedom I'm going to tell you something being married to one wife for 50 years is not bondage that's as free as you can get that's as free as you can get A person God called you to be is not bondage. It's freedom. It's not being approved. It's freedom. It's freeing. So here's a directive. We will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And so our prerogative then is to walk out of these walls and teach our culture how to live free. Amen. But whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't do that yelling at people on Facebook. We can't do that getting in fights over politics. We we have to walk out with the grace of God in our lives and go, hey, listen, man, I just want you to know that there's a freedom that you have not experienced yet, and it's in the truth and grace of God. And when the church walks out of these walls and does that, we still live in a land where we can impact it. Amen? We still live in a land that's for us to walk out and have an influence on our community. That's the prerogative of the church today. He has set us free and he expects us to walk out and live free. The church should not be operating in bondage today because of the presence of evil. We should be free people. Amen? So listen. I want you to experience freedom on a level that you've never experienced before. And it all has to do God and applying the guardrails that he's put on your life they're not there to hamper you they're not there to keep you from having fun they're there to make you free and when when our country realizes that it'll look different it'll look different it starts here in his house amen let's live free this fourth of July the freest we've ever been Come on, if you're in bondage this morning, you can turn it over to him. If you need delivered, you can turn it over to him this morning and make the choice today to live free. Amen? To live free, he can still do it. Come on, lift your voice to him today. Lord, I believe you can do it again. I believe you can start start something across this great country that could change the whole world. Let your church live free and be an example to everyone around.